just had a terrible road trip that they'll be trying to shake off beginning tonight at PNC Park against visiting Cleveland. And Kebrian Hayes, strikingly enough, wasn't that much of an exception going four for 20 on the trip. And you know what I say to that? Good, good. This is part of what you want to see with this kid the rest of the way. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. Comes your way bright and early every weekday morning. If you're into football and or hockey, I also offer up daily shots of Steelers and Penguins right where you found this. It is Pirates versus Cleveland tonight at 7.05 at PNC Park. The Pirates have lost 10 games in a row. The Pirates have not scored more than three runs in any of those 10 games. It's the worst such stretch in 54 years for the club, meaning the combination of the losing streak and the lack of offense. So taking that context into account, Brian Hayes would probably rank about 1 million and eighth on a list that ran one million and seven deep of the Pirates' problems. In fact, on this trip that was completed, he started five games and had a hit in four of them. So there's nothing wrong. There's not even a slump that's happening. But looking even remotely human, that's new ground for Hayes. No question about that with the way he's burst onto the scene. Part of me actually wants to see him struggle a little bit. Because as I've been saying all along, not to tamp down hype or enthusiasm or whatever about him, only because mathematically what he was doing was impossible to sustain. Because no one has ever done that, and no one will ever do that. So it was a matter of how it would happen, when it would happen, and more important than that, how he'd respond and when and how quickly he'd be able to respond. That is going to be part of the adventure in watching this kid the rest of the way. And yes, I just used the word adventure to describe a pirate season that's already gone so far off course that they're 21 games under 500. But I, I think so highly of Hayes and his natural abilities, meaning that he does things physically that others can't. He's got the lightning-quick wrists. Uh, He's got the great vision, the pitch recognition, uh, things that generally prevent you from going into any kind of a sustained slump, barring a crisis in confidence. When Hayes was coming up, through the system early on, 
something that exasperated the previous management that drafted him, and by the way, did well to draft him, was that they could see that he was hitting the ball hard and getting a lot of outs. Most of those were on the ground. It wasn't until there were adjustments made to his launch angle that he was able to start shooting the ball over infielders' heads, then over outfielders' heads, and then over fences. And he was making the most out of the 105, 110-mile-an-hour exit velocity that he'd normally get instead of just you know, hitting screamers to shortstop. So one massive adjustment already has been made in his professional career. In the major leagues, your bigger adjustment is going to be when teams figure out not so much a pitch that you can't hit because that's exposed really early. I mean, you're seeing everything all through the minors, not at the same caliber as what you are in the majors, but you're seeing types of pitches. And if there's one that you really struggle with, they're going to know about that in A-ball. That's not going to take anybody years to determine. But what happens to you in the majors is you'll get attacked more by pitch sequencing that's unfavorable to you. If, for whatever reason, let's just say that you struggle with, uh, just going to make something up here, like a fastball changeup combo. Again, that's one of those ones. That's not a great example because that's one that they would expose really early. Just ride with me. Whatever two pitches or three pitches come your way or a pitch at the eyeballs and then a slider that takes, uh, you know, that takes your swing path offline because your arms have now been raised, your eyes have been raised, as the hitting coaches like to say. If a sequence is found that gives him trouble, it's obviously going to be incumbent on him and to an extent, the hitting coaches, to adjust to that, to learn from it, to bounce back from it. And he might go through a slump while he tries to get out of it. And other teams pick up on that film. Hey, did you see that uh, that Pittsburgh kid? The way to get him is to do this and to do that. This is the kind of thing that you're going to want to watch for with Hayes over the summer. Where does he end up statistically? What's a fair expectation you know, honestly, I look at his numbers right now and I see that he's batting 286. He's had some pop. He's put the ball to all fields. Uh, he's drawing his share of walks. I'd be okay with that. I really would. I don't think he has to light the world on fire in his first full season, if you can call it that, with him having missed the first two months in the majors. I don't think he has to put up you know, Rod Carew, Tony Gwynn type of numbers. I think all he has to do is be the best version of himself and avoid those prolonged slumps. That, if you think back to 2019 was what worked for Brian Reynolds. And I'm not likening the two. I, mean, I have a lot of respect for Reynolds as a player. Hayes is at some other level. Hayes, Hayes can do things that Reynolds can't. 
But Reynolds never, never had a slump in 2019. Of course, he had one long slump through the shortened 2020 season. But in 2019, as he was becoming acclimated to the majors, he fought off every challenge, and he did it without really anyone even noticing. Like, he'd go through an 0 for 7 or something, and you wouldn't even know that he was in one of those because he figured out what was going on and just pushed right through it. It never fazed him. It never frustrated him. Again, within that season. That, to me, is a really worthy objective for Hayes. Keep yourself somewhere floating around that 300 figure and don't get into any long slumps. Everything else, because of his natural talent, meaning how hard the ball is hit, how many total bases he'll get, how often he'll walk, all of that will take care of itself. He just needs to avoid the longer slumps. And by the way, I'm going to repeat this, what he's in right now is not a slump. He went four for 20 on the trip. That's not the end of the world. He's going to be just fine, probably as soon as tonight. When we come back, just one question. And that's brought to you always by North Shore Tavern, directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. Stop by and say hello to them tonight on your way to the game, on your way out of the game, or days when there aren't games. North Shore Tavern is open year-round, regardless of what's going on at the stadium. North Shore Tavern is home to Steak on a Stone. North Shore Tavern is home to the planet's only fully dedicated Pirate Sports Bar. And it's right next door to Mike's Beer Bar, the companion venture, where you can choose from a selection of more than 500 beers, including from more than 50 local breweries. North Shore Tavern and Mike's Beer Bar right next to each other across from PNC Park. Today's question comes from Dan, who asks, what exactly happened to Gregory Polanco? He had so much promise when he emerged just a few years ago. And I was at the game Tuesday in Washington, and looking at him up close, he just has the look, the build, the gait, the motions of someone who should be really good. Dan, I know exactly what you're saying. And at the risk of sounding superficial beyond belief, I think that this is an influential thing in the Pirates world when they still keep running him out there and still keep sending him into the batter's box and they react around him with such respect. He is a large, cut, imposing figure. Imposing if he wasn't like the nicest guy in the world, which he is. He looks like he should be an NFL tight end, something that I've told him many times. He has that physique. And when we think back through baseball history at guys who 
look that athletic and are out there playing in the majors, you know, we think of guys like Dave Parker, you know, really big, strong dude, towered above his teammates and his opponents. We think of Dave Winfield, Andre Dawson, guys like that that had the stature. Maybe even when you look at Polanco, you can think of a Daryl Strawberry or someone. Strawberry was obviously, you know, a lot thinner than the guys that I just mentioned, but had that bigger, slender, super athletic uh, look to him. What went wrong? <sighs> Polanco. Where do I start with Polanco? You know, to me, and from talking to people who know about him, both from the baseball and the human perspective, it's the long swing that's really done him in. When you draw a parallel between him and Parker, and by the way, Watch the next time you see Polanco foul a pitch off. If you're an older baseball fan, someone who's really been following the Pirates for a long time, watch when Polanco fouls the ball off. His body motion is 100% identical to Parker's when he would do the same thing. I'm full of bizarre observations like that, but just you'll see what I mean. It's It's scary. He has this long swing, and when he first came up, plain and simple, he was locked in the way we've seen him locked in at various times, even over the last couple of years, even this year. It's a really short stretch when it happens, but when it does, I mean, he looks like the greatest hitter in the world. He looks like somebody you should fear in an opposing lineup. But then... That swing, something will go a little bit wrong, and he'll lose his timing, and he'll try to adjust or over-adjust, compensate, and it doesn't work. It doesn't work. The guys who have naturally longer swings still eventually find a way to get short or quick to the ball or they don't stay in the game. Colin Moran, I think, is a a good example of this. I've brought up the long swing thing with Moran. He really, really doesn't like that. He doesn't agree with it. But he's also done something about it. He is quicker to the ball. He does find a way to get his bat through the zone in more of a hurry and adjust to different types of pitches and hit the ball to different parts of the field. Greg's never done that. Greg's never done that. When have you seen Greg go oppo? Look at the way they line up on their shifts when he's up because they know he's never made that adjustment. There's only a certain type of pitch he'll hit, and when he does hit it, you know, it's going to go to the moon, but more often than not, he isn't going to hit it because they're going to pitch him a certain way. They're going to line up their catcher. They're going to set a certain sequence to get him out. And what he's done in not adjusting in not learning, in not taking that next step, is going to end his big league career sooner rather than later. I'm not being dramatic here. There's no room in the majors for a guy hitting 200 
who's a liability defensively and now is having teams just routinely run on his arm at every single opportunity, every single base. That, of course, has to do with the, the freak injury and the shoulder surgery that followed, but I, there isn't much there. There isn't much there. But if you're asking what undid that potential, that's what it was. He never adjusted from the long swing. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates, not just today, but really every day. I, I have no idea why you do this. None whatsoever. <laughs> you, you've got to get like some kind of like badge of honor just for showing up here and hitting play every day. I appreciate it. We'll do this again Monday. I'll be at the ballpark tonight.